that part in Matthew, which we're going to read. But I first want to just say a couple of things, because this is normally dangerous territory. Because people can so easily get caught up with the wrong thing. So I want you to understand this. That when God created the, the heavens and the earth, Genesis 1 verse 1 and Genesis 1 verse 2, and up to the end of creation, and it was beautiful, and it was moy, and then Satan fell. Somewhere along the line, and now we don't have to split hairs exactly when and where and how, but Satan fell. And Satan became the god of this world. Okay? His domain, his territory. So, for all practical reasons, reasoning, okay, very easily, this world was possessed by the devil. Does that make sense? The whole earth was possessed by the devil. The whole earth was demon-possessed. And people lived and they were seeking God's face and God's grace was there and God's mercy was there. God put laws down to protect people and to help them live in this. But eventually, the death of Christ displaced the enemy. Does that make sense? And I want to not complicate it because we can go into such a big theological debate about this. It's not where we want to go this morning. I'll give you a simplest, very simple that when Jesus came, the Bible says, the light came into the darkness. And the darkness didn't want the light. So the darkness left. Does it make sense? Up until that point, no one had cast out demons. Does it make sense? Jesus could cast out demons. Why? Because he had more power. He displaced it. So that's a little bit of intro. If you would go to Ephesians 6.12... And you'll see there, and this is very important that we understand, because where we're going today can be sensitive to people. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. What does that mean? That no human is my enemy. No human is my enemy. Whether they are political and making political statements, or whether they have a lifestyle that I don't approve of, or whether they just plain don't like me or you or come against. No flesh is my enemy. Does it make sense? Okay, It's not a difficult concept. But, listen to what this text says. Against, we wrestle against principalities, against powers, and against rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. So, whether you are saved or not saved, you are in a war. When you're saved, you win the war. You might lose battles, but you win the war. What do I mean you might lose battles? Well, you might make mistakes. You might sin. You might stumble over something over and over and over while you're human because that's the nature of humans. We make mistakes. And we're not going to be completely victorious 
until the day. But Jesus came to destroy the works of the enemy. Jesus came to destroy the works of the enemy. When did he destroy it? On the cross. He destroyed the works of the devil on the cross. He displaced the devil out of this world on the cross. So the only thing that can now happen is when suddenly we as humans start opening the door for this things, these things to come back. Okay, And I want to show you where we live at. The three major, so once again, we can go into a lot of theology regarding principalities and powers and rulers and wickedness. We can go down that avenue at Finium. We want to get to the principle here so we can get to a place. So the next scripture I want to show you, if you put it up on the board, 2 Kings 10, 28. Yahu was a prophet of God. He destroyed Baal out of Israel. And we in the Bible we read a lot about Baal. Okay, a lot. So it was a god that was worshipped. And the main function of this worship was to sacrifice firstborns in fire to this Baal God. That was the main thing. Obviously, it's an abomination. Obviously, not, there's not one single person here that would say, I'm going to take my firstborn and burn him in a bucket with fire to some molded image that I made. No one will do that, eh? What would possess a person to do that? What would possess? Can you see? It must be demonic. It must be demonic for any parent to just even think to take their firstborn and put it in a bucket with fire, smelling, screaming. You have got to go there. It's graphic. It's 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 violent. It's aggressive. The spirit realm is great. It's violent. Okay, the next one, we put that on there. For Solomon went after Astoroth. I can't even pronounce that proper. The goddess of the Sidonians. Okay. So in today's society, do we see people sacrificing children? Every abortion. Every abortion. Laws are being passed in first world countries that you can abort a baby after birth. After birth. Not even late term anymore. Last year, in the middle of COVID, a guy stood up in the US Parliament, a doctor that used to do abortions, and he explained that he would put a tongue up and pull, oh, it's an arm. Oh, it's a leg. Oh, it's the head. And then he got saved. Praise the Lord. And he stopped because he sees that murder. Today, that law, there's laws and countries that after birth, you can abort. That's murder. Sacrificing. Now, this, this one, she's also known as the queen of heaven. She's a whole 
bells of whistles of completely something different. Hurting is completely sexual. In her temples, you have men dressed up as women. In her temple, they would have a parade in June of pride. In her temple. In her temple, they would surgically alter boys to girls. Does that sound familiar? Can you, what would possess a parent to do that? What would possess a parent to take their child to a temple and say, yeah, do with him or her whatever you want. It has to be demonic. Is that thing sticking its head out again? Yes, there are countries where laws have been passed that you're not allowed to name a child a gender-based name. It has to be neutral. There are schools just north of us in the city that is now embracing transgenderism and going to communal bathrooms. What is that more than that? Well, I... They, they, they couldn't do it when I was at school. Huh? Oh, my word. That would have been a mess. Yes, so stupid. They're not thinking, man. But what would possess somebody to do that? What would possess somebody to do that? To say, oh, he is not a boy. Oh, she is not a girl. And parade itself and make surgical alterations to their bodies. There. The third one is Molech. Jeremiah 32 verse 35. And they built high places of Baal, which are in the valley of Sinon of Hinon, to cause their sons and their daughters to pass through the fire unto Molech. Okay? So they made their children walk through fire. They made them walk through fire. Have you seen that of late? Have you seen that fire walking going on? What would possess somebody to send their child to walk through fire? Here's the thing. Where's the enemy aiming at? The children. He's aiming at the children. Why? Because I've got the kid. I've got the gener next generation. What is sticking its head out? Can you see where in the world we live in that it's not so far from this? This is a serious thing happening in our midst. And we have... The media and the organizations have gone and they've taken the rainbow and perverted it completely. Even in the Soccer World Cup, as we speak, there was a huge row around wearing the rainbow captain's armband because that is pro and it's parading an alternative lifestyle. 
What would possess people to do that? Darkness. Thank you, scholar. Darkness. Now let's go. I love this. I love this. Matthew 11. Let's go there. We're going to read verse 12. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John, and if you are willing to receive it, he is Elijah to come. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence, for the violent grab hold of it violently. And if you're willing to hear, it's Elijah. Elijah represents what? Repentance. Elijah represents repentance. Elijah says, make straight the way. You see, where do we start with make straight in the way? Right here. Me. This word is not for quissy. Not for the guy around the corner. The word's for me. The guy in the mirror. To truly repent. To confess what I'm doing wrong. You see, and then the violent grab hold of the kingdom of God violently. What does this mean? It means within this thing, there's people like you and I that say, I want what God has, and I don't care what it's going to cost me. I'm going to grab hold of it. I'm going to strive for it. I'm going to take the kingdom of God from I'm going to own it. I'm going to be, I am going to be more violent than a dad yelling at his child, walk through fire. I'm going to grab hold of the kingdom of God because he came and displaced darkness. You see, if, if I'm at my house and I start saying, I'm going to take this and I get my family to take it and the next family and the next family and the next family and the next family, we become the generation of Yehu that displaces the worship of these things out of our people because we start seeing the value that God offers, the ways that God offers, the love that He gives. You see, The Word of God says it like this. I just love how He says it. He says, those who have forgiven much, love much. What's saying? Those who realize how much they have made mistakes and just went way off course and said bad things about people and, I don't know, robbed and raped and was completely lost, those who were caught up in this that have had abortions, that have had their children walk through fire, that have sacrificed their children on the altar of TV and D Disney. Those that have come to repent and say, I am sorry, and receives forgiveness, they love much. Who do they love? They love the Lord a lot. They're grateful. 
their hearts are broken. Thank you for saving me. Lord, there goes I, but for the grace of God. There goes my children, but for the grace of God. I'm doing the same thing, but for the grace of God. Those who are forgiven much, love much. How do I become violent in the spirit? How do I become part of this group of people that says, from the, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence. How can heaven suffer violence at my hands? And the violent, how can I be violent and take it by force? Number one, it starts with salvation. The first thing that you and I can do is to make dead dog sure we're saved. The number one reason why people fall away from Christianity is surety of salvation. That's the number one reason. You see, people come to church with, I belong to that church. It's not going to get you in heaven. I am a Baptist, I am a Methodist, I'm a, I'm a Pentecostal, I am a... It's not going to get you saved. I'm a living word of this to this. <laughs> I don't know, somebody come up with a phrase like that. You can't get saved. Other people think, well, if I do good works, I come to church and I do good works, I get involved in church. It's not going to get you saved. That's not part. It's not there. You see, we are saved by Christ alone. We are saved by grace alone. And we are saved by faith alone. Romans 10 verse 8, 9 and 10 spells it out. I confess with my mouth and believe with my heart unto salvation. John 3, 16 for God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever should believe. And we think this is elementary. This is the number one reason why people fall away from Christ. Because they're not sure of their salvation. Because they, they still want to measure it in performance. They still want to go, oh, I sinned. Probably I'm not good enough. Oh, I, I had a swear word. I'm probably not good enough. Oh, I looked at somebody and my mind went somewhere. And I'm not saved. No, I'm saved by grace alone, by Christ alone, by faith alone. And because I am saved, I start living like a saved person. And we call that process the, the process of being sanctified, walking out my sanctification. You're not going to get everything right day one. A baby doesn't walk the first day he is born. He doesn't even crawl. It takes time. And when they start walking and they fall, do we shout at them? No. But when they're old enough and they fall, then we tell them, stop falling. No. There's grace there. The second thing is to make a resolution. A violent resolution. An aggressive resolution. You see, if a snake, who does not like snakes? So there's a lot of people that don't like snakes. If we take that, can I use the snake analogy? Maybe, or a criminal analogy comes into your house. How are you going to act? Oh, please don't come in. Hello, sir. What are you doing at my front door? 
How may I help you? Is that, is that how you're going to act? No. There's going to be some form of aggressiveness. There's going to be some form of screaming like a girl. Eh? <laughs> it's going to be a good... Because there is a thing of having a resolution. And that's, I want you to see it. It's like a pole. And you hit this big pole with a hammer into the ground saying, thus far and no more. A resolution. By your will. You see, a lot, a lot of people get saved by emotion. Do you know that? They come to church, and there's an elegant speaker in front, and he evokes emotion. And people cry. Yes, Lord. I have given my heart to God. Next week, no change. Six months down the line, no change, because it was all emotional. The doors open, the Holy Spirit goes in. You are saved. But there needs to be repentance, a turning around. You see, we need to use our cognitive. We need to activate the will. I choose to follow after Christ. It's my decision. It's not forced on me. No one can force it on you. God himself will not force himself on you. He will keep on inviting I'll keep on inviting. But there's a day that you have to say, I do. You see, the Holy Spirit comes to Mary. I love this. The Holy Spirit comes to Mary. He says, Mary, she's about 14 years old. You're going to have a baby. No, it's not happening. She's saying, no, it's not happening. I'm intact. I've not been near a man. I'm not having a baby. Thank you very much. And then she changes her language. Your will be done. Surrendered. God did not force himself. He will never force himself on you. It takes your will to say, Lord, your will be done. And then is to make that resolution. Me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Come hell or high water. Come popularity or unpopularity. Come ridicule. I'm sitting at a function last night. The guy next to me says, yes, but Christians must lie the most. What's that? That's ridicule. Got in a car, I told my wife, she says, yeah, we don't care about that. It just shows what's happening inside there. First, that's the second one, is to have a resolution of, I will follow the Lord. And there's an aggression in there. There's an aggression in there. That is saying, whatever the promise of God is, I'm going to stand on that promise. Even if I'm weak and sweaty and I can't speak, I'm going to stand on the promise, I'm healed, I'm healed, I'm healed, I'm healed. Even if my back aches and I'm healed. Even if I can't sleep, I'm healed. Even if I suffer from depression, I'm healed. I mean, there's an aggression. It's like, I'm not going to let go of this thing. I'm not going to let go of this thing. This is who I serve. Come, hello, high war. Come, death. I'm going to stand and walk to the shadow of the valley of death. And I'm going to say, God is with me. I am okay. There's a resolution. Even when the bank account says, 
Futsak. <laughs> the Lord's my provider. The next thing, and I want to launch this into our congregation of, from next year, is spend time reading the Bible every day. Apple had a study lately, and they picked up how many times people unlock their Apple phones per day. Over 2,000 times a day. The average person unlocks his Apple. Do you know how much time is spent on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, TikTok? Ten minutes. Ten minutes. Take ten minutes a day to read your Bible. Just ten. We can scroll through Facebook for hours, 20 minutes, half an hour. Take 10 minutes a day to read your Bible so that you can hear yourself. I did the exercise the other day. I felt the Lord say, Wilk, I want you to bring this into the church. I want you to challenge your congregation to read their Bible every day for 10 minutes audibly. So I sat down and I put a stopwatch on for 10 minutes and I read slowly. And I started in Genesis for 10 minutes. Two chapters. Two chapters. You don't have to understand it. You don't have to study it. Just eat it. Just read it. We want to launch it from next year, from January. We all start in Genesis together. And we read each day. Make a commitment just to 10 minutes. The news is half an hour. Santa Barbara is half an hour. Days of our lives. Seven Delon. Even the ads are half an hour in between. You know? My word. You want some real soapy? You want to see a proper soapy? Start reading this Bible from the front. It's got, you got nothing. TV's got nothing. Nothing. Over here, they some take their father's wives. Days of our lives can't think this stuff out. Serious. I'm telling you. Spend time reading the Bible every day. There's a resolution. There's something violent. And you'll be challenged because you'll get tired. And you'll, it'll be uh, because there's a discipline that needs to form. And it's difficult. It will take some resolve. It will take you fighting against your flesh. It will take you fighting against all the other things that take your time during that. Say, I'm going to be violent about this. I'm going to be aggressive about this. Say, move. I'm reading my word. There's a lady that wrote a book. She couldn't get time to read anymore because she had children. So eventually she decided she's going to lock the toilet door. Moms, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. You go to the bathroom, what happens? Everybody comes with. And she says, you're going to lock the toilet door. And she said, that's, that's my Bible reading time. And God started dealing with her in her bathroom. It's so easy when we to say, I don't have time. No, I don't have priority. We all have time. It's whether we're going to prioritize it and fight against, have some violence, grab hold of the kingdom violently. The next thing is to pray every day. 
Ten minutes. Ten minutes. That hand that I showed you. Remember the hand that I showed you? I can run it through it again. Two minutes. Praising God. Just tell Him how good He is. Two minutes. If you don't know, read Psalm 145 on. Just aloud. Just two minutes. Put a timer there. Two minutes. Confess sin for two minutes. When I started confessing sin, it took an hour. <laughs> All these things just started coming up. Don't confess. Father, forgive me for my sin. No, 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 no. Specific. Father, forgive me when I swerved in front of that guy and I spoke to him in sign language. <laughs> All right. The two minutes on thanking the Lord. Just two minutes. It's very easy to remember this on your hand because it's the longest. Just thank him. If you don't want to thank him, you've got some clothes in your body. Thank you for the clothes because some people that don't have clothes on their bodies. You've got food in your stomach. Thank him for the food. You've got a place to sleep. sleep did you sleep in the street last night? Now you slept in the bed. Thank the Lord for that. Two minutes. Pray for somebody else. That's your ring. Your wife, your children, your husband. If you don't have, you can pray for me. I need lots of prayer. All right? But see a pastor. It's a commitment ring. And two minutes, pray for yourself. It's a 10 minutes gone. I did a training course at another church where we did praying, prayer as a course, as a seminar on how to pray. And at the end, I had an old lady that's been saved for 35 years. It was the first time in her life she prayed for 10 minutes. She couldn't do it. And when I pushed them, I said, explain to them how to do it. Click, go. They couldn't believe. It was that 10 minutes. Wow. Started crying. Felt like a second-hand Christian all her life. Time doesn't do you got anything to do with it, but you can speak to your father. And then take time to listen. To sit in silence and listen to the Lord. You see, you know what happens? You can go try this. Go switch off the TV, switch off your cell phone, switch off the music, and just sit and see what happens. It's like this, and you're up. Your mind goes mad. You start writing, you start thinking about tomorrow and the next day, and maybe you start thinking about five years ago, and it's just all chaos. It's a loud screaming. It is violent. What happens in your mind? It will take some resolve, violence to say, shh. I want to listen to the small, still voice of my father speaking to me. So what you can do is have a book and write all those thoughts and ideas and just write them down. Just write them down. You know, my granny's car and I don't know. The horse's shoes need to be done. And I still like that and free willy. And because your mind becomes so random when it becomes quiet. They did a study where they took a human and put them in water, blindfolded, ears closed, and thick um, wetsuit, so that it could not, there was no stimuli. And then they had uh, probes on the brain to see what will happen if that person has got, has, gets no stimuli and how long, what will happen. 
20 minutes. And suddenly the graphs just went off the charts. And they got the person out of the water. And I said, what happened? He said, I just started hallucinating. I started hallucinating. I started seeing elephants, pink elephants going, Bambi came past. Bebep came past. Popeye was there. All these things were happening. Because you have not created not to have stimuli. So when I say become quiet, I'm not saying go into meditation. No, no. You've read now. You've prayed now. Now you're quiet. And you just, if there's ideas and thoughts coming in your mind, just write them down so that they are out and you don't have to remember them. And then there's a bit of a clean canvas. But it will take force from your side. You want to grab hold of the kingdom of God violently. These are five couple of things that you can do to grab hold and see what happens in your life. I'll buy you a double cab. If you apply this for six months and you don't change as a human being, you will be transformed in front of your own eyes. People will stand and say, who are you? What's going on with you? Why you speak different? Why you talk different? Why you walk different? Why are you glowing the way you are glowing? Because you've got hold of the kingdom of God violently. And say, I'm going to stand. I want to recap on that, and then we're going to go home. First one is you need to make sure that you are saved. If there's any doubt in you, we're going to pray this morning. If there's any doubt in you, whether you are saved or not, pray with us. All right. The second one is make a resolution. You can write that out. You can say, this day, this time, come hell or high water, this is who I am and what I stand for. And this, Charles Spurgeon says, is the rock on which men break their opinions. This will be my opinion. Ten minutes a day. Spend ten minutes to pray aloud. Pray and listen. Would you close your eyes and we pray together? Father, thank you that this morning we don't have to be scared about anything that's going on in the world because greater is He that's in me than the one that is in the world. And with my God, I can storm a troop. With my God, I can jump over a wall. And even though a thousand fall on my left and ten thousand on my right hand, it shall not come near me. For I hide in the shadow of the Almighty. He gives His angels command regarding me. I am hedged in. I am surrounded. And goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And my Father goes before me and He levels the mountains. He raises the valley. His word is a light unto my path. And where I walk, I know because I have got the mind of Christ. I'm plugged into you. I think like an ambassador of heaven. Father, thank you that I can speak that out, Lord. This morning, Lord, we want to pray as a family once again. To make sure, Lord, and to reiterate and to underline, italic and bold and enlarge the font size of our salvation. Dear Lord Jesus, I come to you as a sinner. Somebody that broke your moral law. 
that deserves hell. And I thank you this morning that you died for me. You took my sin upon you. You became my sin. But you rose again. And you defeated death. And you are alive. I believe with my heart that Jesus is Lord. And he is seated on the right hand of the Father. And he has paid the price for me. Thank you for saving me now. Thank you for writing my name in the book of life. Thank you for giving me the right to be called child of God. In Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to keep your eyes closed. I want you to keep your heads bowed. If you prayed that for the first time today, something or please look at me. I want to see. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I want you to make sure, make this date fuss in your spirit. That you are saved. When you walk out that door today, know that you are a child of God. Not by your own goodness. Not by your achievements. But by the cross of Jesus Christ. Would you stand and I bless you. Open your hands and just in a mode of receiving. And I like to share this. I like to share that Jacob robbed Esau of a blessing. He robbed him. He stole it from him because it's valuable. You don't steal something that's not valuable. See the blessing as something valuable. Open your hands and receive. Father, as ambassador of heaven, as a priest in your house, I come and bless your children with a resolve to stand in the midst of fire. With a resolve, Lord, to seek hard after you. I bless them this morning with diligence. I bless them this morning with discipline to read your word, to pray. I bless them this morning with a boldness to speak to their Father who hears them in heaven. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Let's go have some coffee. Come on.